We're so glad you found us. Welcome to Embers, a podcast by Volo. We at Volo are committed to guiding teens as they seek to create authentic relationships in our increasingly digital world. Once these youth experience the power of being in community and their vast capacity for connection, we challenge them to go out and make the world a better place. Our circle is open to every race, gender, sexuality, ability, religion, and background. Our podcast is a hub of inspiration for both teens and adults. Embers is a place where our teens share their stories as they navigate the waters between childhood and adulthood. We realize they've got a lot to teach us. What they hope for sounds good to us, too. Join us here as follow youth explore timely and compelling topics. Fanning the embers, burning in each of us. In this episode, we took inspiration from Women's History Month. The teens share their observations and experiences of feminism today, recognizing the progress we've made, as well as the work we have ahead if we want to live in a society that treats all genders equally. They describe their vision for what the world could look like if change continues, and they finish off on a high note, telling us about the female-identifying individuals who inspire them. Curious about what they have to say? Come along. Hi, I'm Dana. I'm Isaac. Hi, this is Emma. So I want to thank you two for being here today. It always honestly is a privilege to sit with teens and hear their voices and really listen to your experiences of whatever we talk about, just to get a glimpse into your hearts and your minds um, during this moment in time. And so this month, we thought it would be really interesting to recognize Women's History Month and recognizing that all of us are living in a very different time than in terms of opportunities for women than even 20, 30 years ago, and especially, you know, 100 or 200 years ago. So I'm curious today to talk with you two about your experiences as they relate to equality, specifically around gender, and to look always, you know, look at the present and also look towards the future and what you two envision, which obviously can be different. So I will start with the kind of general question of how you see equality around the sexes today. And, you know, you could go really specific and and respond to the notion of, or the question, do you see things as equal? And, or you could do a kind of a broader brushstroke of how you view the concept of equality today. And that can be from your own experiences and or your observations. I'll let you um, take it from there. I'll start us off just because this is happens to be a topic that I care deeply about, as I hope most people do. And I guess when you were talking about the present and the future, it also sort of made me think a lot about the past. And it wasn't until the year 1920 that women were even given the right to vote, which is another topic that I'm very passionate about and something that I really just do feel is like a basic human right. And the fact that there are still people who are not as easily able to do that is something that is very, very almost disturbing to me. So just knowing that past and the history of women in our country, and how, you know, they weren't given the same opportunities, the same education, the same rights, really. And there's still a lot of that in the present day. I mean, things have gotten much better. And I think that's worth recognizing. 
but still you look at the u.s soccer team men and women men still make more money than the women and that was something that they really spoke up sort of for and i think that they were just looking at like their successes and looking at how they were doing sort of compared to the men and we're just kind of like hey like what is up with this like we're winning all of these things you know we're actually a better team and yet we're still there's still not this like wage equality and that's just one of like a lot of examples about women who work equally if not harder than men in various fields including athletics but including other things as well and that equality piece is still in some cases not there and so i mean that's something that you learn in various ways but i think just knowing that and just knowing our history knowing where we've come and looking towards the future i just i hope that that trajectory gets steadily better and steadily more equal as people sort of awaken to the, it's just like unjust nature. As you said that about what feelings talking about that story or that example brings up for you. That's a really good question. It leaves me like, honestly, I wish I had a better answer for you, but it, it does leave me with a lot of frustration. I feel frustrated by a lot of issues that are still very present in the United States. I feel like it's almost like shouldn't have ever been an issue. But certainly, knowing what we know today, it just seems ridiculous that it still is. And just that feeling of like, you have to work and work and work and continue the fight to just be equal. It's not even as if like, we want to surpass where men are, you know, it's really just, we want to be on par with where they are. And so I don't obviously have experience with any of that sort of discrimination. But knowing what I know, it just it frustrates me. And it doesn't even directly affect me, but it affects my demographic. And so it really, it kind of, it affects me in that way, because it affects my demographic. So therefore, it affects me in how I feel. I think that's the biggest piece. And so I'm happy with where we've come. And there's a lot of work that's yet to be done. Absolutely. And Isaac, how about you? What's your experience, your view of equality today? And, you know, yeah, just be honest, because you're in a different demographic. So your experience could be vastly different in that and makes the conversation all the more rich. I think listening to Emma talk, one of the big things that stood out was when you said, like, how does it make you feel? And she said, frustrated that, like, these are still issues that we have to work towards. I think that felt like uh, that resonated with me, just the fact that it seems so simple and logical, and it feels like, how can like that still be an issue? How could it ever have been an issue? But how is that still an issue? And just so that frustration, I think, just with people, and I don't know what it is, whether it's, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but... Are you trying to kind of articulate, like, why does this happen? Why is this still happening? Yeah that you have a crystal ball or a magic wand, but I'm curious, why do you think it's still happening? In fact, this morning on the news, I was listening to a piece about women's locker rooms at the NCAA March Madness Championships and the expensive weight rooms that are in the male locker rooms and the couple of you know hand weights that were in the female locker room. And what do you think? What's that about? I mean, when I see examples such as that, it's really disheartening, I'd say, just like, just brings up that same question, how are we still like this bad at this? But then you see other examples, and I feel hopeful about, like, especially this year in the 
NFL, there were, which is a, it's a male league, but then also executives and refs and coaches have traditionally been all male as well. But then we've seen the first female ref to ref the Super Bowl and female coaches to ref in the Super Bowl and just more positions from assistant coaches to interns to full-time coaches to executive positions, just more and more women in a what has historically been an all-male industry. And so things like that, that gives me a feeling of hope that there are a lot of things that are going in the right direction. Absolutely. And you know, it's one of those times that when you're living in the time, you don't really feel like being patient, right? You could say, look how late women got the right to vote and look where we are right now. Let's move forward. And also maybe there's a recognition that change does take time. And so finding a balance between honoring those people who want a a more gradual approach and also really listening to the voices who are screaming out saying, we want change right now. I think with what you were saying about change, I think it's also people are in a lot of cases scared of change. You know, change is something that is new territory and it's not what you know. And so it can be kind of scary for a lot of people. And I think a lot of it also drills down to stereotypes and male stereotypes and female stereotypes. And there's the saying, or I don't know if this is actually a saying, but a lot of stereotypes have truth, which is why they're a thing in the first place. Like you wouldn't, you know, that's why they kind of exist because there's some truth in them. But stereotypes can also be extremely dangerous because it can cloud opportunities for both genders. So for example, if I were to go with all my guy friends to the gym and like do some heavy lifting, that might be seen as like out of the normal or like maybe they wouldn't think to invite me, you know, because that wouldn't be something that I'm into. But it's when that you take that step and you do something that may be outside of like a female stereotype that you're starting to sort of like break down those walls, which I think is really, really important because there, I will tell you, there are a ton of girls. I know a ton of girls who are extremely and want to go to the gym and lift weights, you know, and want to like bench press and do all of that stuff. But you know, that is a male stereotype. And so it can be difficult to be taken seriously. I think that's a lot of what it comes down to as well. Absolutely. You've read my mind blending into the next question, which is for each of you, have you ever witnessed, you know, seen or experienced sexism where you felt this does not seem right? For me, it's almost like hard to identify, which sounds crazy because it should be very easy to identify, but it's such a nuanced thing. And there's so many sort of layers to sexism that I think sometimes even if you do experience it, it almost seems like not necessarily like wrong, maybe in the moment. And then maybe thinking about it later, you're like, ooh, that really didn't feel right. I mean, there's a few examples I can think of. One going all the way back to middle school, actually. And I... I've always loved to play football. I just love it. You know, I loved tackling people. (laughs) I loved catching the ball. I loved running with the ball. I loved body slamming. (laughs) Like, like I really loved it all. And it sounds so funny, but it's like, that is a male, like Isaac was saying, that's a male dominated sport. And I still loved it. I still love doing it. And I just remember it took 
the boys in my class at least a few months to like get the gist of like, oh, Emma actually wants to play football. Like she's not just trying to like get attention, you know, which I think is what it came off as in the beginning was like, oh, she just wants our attention, you know? So she's joining in our game. But no, like I really, I actually wanted to play. (laughs) And that is sexist in and of itself. And it wasn't intentional, you know, they weren't intending to hurt me or, you know, put me down. But, you know, they didn't know that. And so, and so finally, like I was accepted in and I was like, oh, I played, played with them every recess, you know, and I could play, like I could do all the things that they were doing, which I think was just kind of like, really reassuring. Like I didn't give up. I didn't, you know, I'm proud of myself for that because I was like, you know what? I like doing this and you know, I may not be considered in the inner circle right away, but you just have to keep pushing for the things that you enjoy doing, even if you're not immediately thought to be someone who would be good at it. Absolutely. And such a good example of that when we have people who are prejudiced or biased in our cultures, it's not always someone necessarily with malicious intent or beliefs, but it may be a system or a culture they've grown up in. And that's their lessons to learn through examples like yours, people to show them. Isaac, because you're an active hockey player, I'm curious if the idea of having girls on your team ever comes up or the idea of females in playing hockey, if that, I don't know, just curious if it ever comes across your radar or something that's talked about among your teammates. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I grew up and for up until I think, I don't know, late in middle school, I played with the same team my whole growing up. And there was a girl on our team, but, and she was just one of the team. And so that was really cool that everyone just like, she wasn't treated differently because she was a girl. She was just part of our team and we all grew up together and we all played hockey together and we were a team and she was just part of it. And so that was actually, that was really cool. Then more recently, I mean, it's never really talked about because at at Yarmouth, there's a girls team. So it's never really brought up that a girl would play on the boys team. And then, so I don't know. Well, and even that, you know, that's progress, right? That the laws shifting so that the same number of teams offered for males are offered for females is, you know, the Title IX shift was significant. And I I don't know if everyone's aware of that evolution, but it came from the place of if, you know, why do we offer five opportunities for boys to be on a team and two for girls? And so I think there's something to be said that there's even a female hockey team as a result of that, whether they were going to be playing on the male team or they have their own team is that they can play is is awesome. And as long as their locker rooms look similar, right, (laughs) we can feel good about that. Yeah, and that's actually another thing that I guess I have because I don't know what the situation was this year. I didn't play high school, but my freshman and sophomore year, the locker room, the Yarmouth locker room at NYA was, us as the boys team, we were allowed to leave our stuff in there and we used it like pretty much whenever we wanted to. And then the girls team, on the other hand, like for most of their home games, they would like be able to use it. And it was just like, obviously there's only one locker room. So there's, but the distribution between the two teams was not equal. Well, that's good to surface an example and recognize there's some patterns here, right? So it 
leads me to my next question. And I envision doing this a little bit like popcorn. So you don't have to expand very much on the idea, but I'd like you to put your dream hats on and to imagine what you hope for around women's issues advancing in the future. What areas or what shifts would you like to see change? So if you grow up and end up having children, what do you want that generation to not only witness, but kind of live in? What would the landscape look like that's different from right now? Can you two just kind of off the top of your head, think of just name the examples of areas that we will maybe even at that point, take the equality for granted? Yeah, I think for me, what what immediately popped into my head as you were saying that is just like how I earlier brought up the example that it was a such a big deal that there were so many women in the NFL at different positions, which is a huge deal. But I think something that I hope in the future is that things like that aren't a big deal. But just like because it becomes mainstream, it's like so that when a new female coach is hired, it becomes not so much of an accomplishment and more of like obviously it's an accomplishment of themselves because they got themselves that job, but it's not, oh look, the NFL is doing so good they hired their X number woman to this position. And that goes for any industry or anything, just like that it's becomes mainstream enough that gender isn't a, I don't know. It's such a good point, Isaac, that it's not made a big deal of. It's this person was hired, not this woman was hired, right? And from her marriage. When you say industry, will you just name off a couple of industries that, I don't know, what comes to mind when you, just so we're not assuming what you mean, what industries would you like to see more women hired in? I don't know. I just kept harping on the NFL and I was just saying it's, a lot more widespread than one league, one organization. I'd say women in science. You know, we're taking, I have an atomic chemistry course in school right now, and we need more women in science, and we need more women in mathematics, and we need more women in engineering. We need more women basically everywhere. (laughs) It's my general outlook. And I loved what you said, Isaac, about moving forward, how gender becomes less of male and female and more just like people. You know, we are the human race and we should not be treating anyone different from anyone else because of whatever, you know, gender, race, any of it. We're all the same race of beings. So I feel the same moving forward. I would love for there not to be fear for women about going out by themselves or being by themselves in general. I would love for their, you know, if I do have kids one day for me to not feel fearful of having a daughter and what that might mean for her life. Just like the fear that comes along with some of the fear that comes along with being a woman in our society. So I think that's a very big piece. And I think just moving forward. And as we move with the evolution of our society, if people just continue to work every day to just it's like an active practice to just work to see everyone the same and give as best we can equal opportunities to everyone. Such a good point and such an interesting, you know, it's not only about jobs and about athletics, but this whole idea of safety that I think it's not a man's fault that he or a boy's fault that they are inherently safer. For example, walking down a street at night, not all men, not all boys. I think those behind the scenes are kind of subtle, unstated 
issues of inequality that are really, really deep-seated. I love if we can dream of that too, not just about jobs and kind of outward-facing, visible signs of equality, but all of these behind-the-scenes ones as well. And I'd actually, just for a moment, ask you two to think about your experiences in schools and classrooms. And just, I don't want to create an issue that's not there, but I am just curious of your experience, Isaac, as a male and Emma as a female in classrooms. And because equality and sexism can go both ways. I'm just curious if you two feel, or what you two feel about a classroom setting. And I recognize you've each had many, many teachers. And so I'm asking you to, I mean, certainly feel free to bring up a specific example if it feels relevant, but I'm also kind of more interested in a general glimpse into classrooms today. And do you both feel safe raising your hand and contributing in class and getting good grades and I'm making an assumption, but working hard, valuing academics? What does that feel like? Does your gender ever, do you ever feel pressure because of your gender to succeed or maybe to not try hard or to not raise your hand or to raise your hand? And that could be from your peers or your teachers. That's a really good one, Dana. I would say that I don't feel pressure from anyone except for myself with my schoolwork. But I do think that in terms of gender within the classroom setting, something that's always you know been on my mind is what we read a lot of in school is centered or written around white men. And that's always been on my mind ever since I was a freshman and we started reading like these denser novels and these denser stories. And I still don't 100% understand why the literature we read is so heavily focused and centered around white men and their journeys, their sort of like Eurocentric sort of heroic stories. I just, I'm not into it fully. I would be more if we had a wider variety of what we read. I have noticed a lot of the books we read when we do branch out and read different books. Like we read a book this year in an immigrant experience class written by a young black woman, and it was brilliantly written. It was a great story, and it was something completely different than what we were used to. And I'm not going to name names or anything, but a lot of the boys in my class just spoke out about kind of and said some things that were quite sexist. And it was pretty alarming because of the sort of richness of the book we were reading. And it was a great book. And I think it was uncomfortable for them because it wasn't what they were used to. And it the language was different. And the tone was different. And it was just kind of like, yeah, there's books besides ones about dead white men, you know, there's more to reading. So I have a lot of feelings around that. Yeah, I think that's such a good example, not only about classroom behavior, but about curriculum. All right, I'm curious about who participates in a classroom. I don't know. I've never really noticed there being a discrepancy of who participates in class. It's usually, as far as I've noticed, pretty well-rounded, and there's no expectation set that I should or shouldn't. I love that. That's progress, you know? So as we look toward, I think I'm hearing both of you that you have gratitude, the distance we've traveled and in terms of where women are today, and there's work to be done, as Emma said. I'm curious if each of you could think for a minute about what teens and adults could do 
to start making changes, recognizing that sometimes it's just small, small acts, small moments that make a difference. So whether you think of one thing you'd like to do or what you'd like to share with the adults who are listening, I just think there's something about a teenage brain that's less inhibited than adults. And so I think recognizing the value of your own ideas and that the perspective you have and your ability to think outside the box is an incredible asset for our society. And so I want to leverage that a little bit on this podcast and just ask you to think big and and little and describe briefly a change you could envision impacting or influencing. What could you do to make change? Well, I think for adults and teens, you know, I think this applies to really everyone, just normalizing the conversation of sexism in our world, in our communities, in our schools, just, you know, when it seems like this, you want to have respect for the subject, but you also don't want it to feel like a sheltered topic that you can't speak about with anyone. Because, you know, it happens every single day, whether or not people realize it or not, or whether people voice it or not. And so the normalization of it, I think would really help with education. And it would really help with just allowing voices who may have experienced sexist things or may have a lot of strong opinions about it, really letting their voices be heard. I think that's a huge part of it moving forward. I love that. Let the voices be heard and let the the people who have those voices not fear expressing their ideas, right? What do you think, Isaac? What brilliant ideas come to your mind? I like what Emma said about it being, I mean, it is talked about and it's a big issue when it's brought up, but I still feel like it is under talked about in many ways. And like, it's one of those things that is so prominent and so behind the scenes that I think we need to bring it more to the forefront of everyone's attention so that they're more conscious of even like the, cause it's easy to see the, the big picture things like the inequality of the weight room at the March Madness tournament host sites. But if it's not constantly, or if it's not on your mind and it's not talked about as much, those smaller day-to-day, situation-to-situation, interaction-to-interaction things that, I mean, I don't have to experience, but so many people have to experience and deal with for no apparent reason. If more people are educated on those things, then it's easier to call them out like people are calling out NCAA over their mistreatment. And so if we talk about and normalize the smaller not less important, but just more subtle examples that happen every day. And we can call those out. I think all of those pieces build on each other. And like you were saying, how speaking up on those day-to-day things, however small or big they may be, is really ultimately gonna, going to make some kind of change. And how big is unclear because of the way that it's sexism is so embedded into our history that it's almost lasting in a way at a certain level, but there's still, you know, there's always things that we can be doing every day to write the issue and speak up. I love that issue of, sorry, that idea of kind of a micro gesture or a micro speak up that I think at Vala, we talk a lot about getting curious about another person and about a situation. And so I do wonder, and I guess there's a 
part of me that challenges each of you if it feels like something you're passionate about to consider being curious and voicing your curiosity in the days and weeks ahead when you notice something. And as Isaac said, no matter how small that someone else isn't bringing up and just starting the conversation and raising people's consciousness so that it doesn't become this antagonistic conversation, but rather it just opens people's eyes to what they might not be seeing, not because they are trying to ignore it, but because they're just, it's not in their line of sight yet. And so I love the idea of especially young voices getting curious and not being shy about asking questions. So thanks for your ideas there. I want to end with kind of the idea of role models. And besides the two of you, you know, who can we look to? Can you each think of a female identifying individual who inspires you? And this person, you know, I dare you to look close as well as far within your life and consider it could be someone you know very well. And it could be someone you know from a distance, or it could even be a famous person. It could be someone from your past. Yeah, which I'm just really speaking of curious. I'm really curious to hear who you look up to, who you admire for how they live their life. I was hoping you'd ask that question. <laughs> There's so many women, honestly, and a lot of them are in my family, you know, there's women all around me who I'm inspired by daily, but big ones that everyone knows of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She is a huge inspiration to me, the work that she did for on behalf of our country. And she really had like a strongest heart and really just absolutely advocated and pushed for what is right for as long as she possibly could. And I really, really have always admired that about her. And I cannot forget AOC because she is absolutely another huge role model for me. And, you know, because it is, we are living in a sexist society, it is just that much more important to be strong in what you say and what you do and really like have a lot of conviction and just go after what you want. You know, it's important to not feel like you're held back in any way by being a woman or by being a person who may feel held back for whatever reason. I think they both show me that along with many others. They're just two of many. (laughs) I love those descriptions. How about for you, Isaac? What came to mind first was my sister and just the way she identifies different issues that are important to her and then sets out to enact change for the better on those issues. That's what sisters are the best. You think she knows you feel that way, Isaac? Probably not. I say that because I think there's something pretty remarkable and transformative for a person to be told by someone who knows them so well that they are seen and noticed and that you see the impact she has on the world and on you. I would imagine it would mean much more than you can probably imagine. So there's your challenge. So I would like to end our conversation as we end most follow conversations, and that is sharing with one another the energy we're leaving with, leaving this conversation, what space we're in by sharing a single word that describes that. I would say empowered. Hopeful. Well, my word is hopeful too, and I'll keep it because we can't have too much hope in this world. So thank you too for bringing your hearts and minds and experiences and openness to this conversation. I really 
Really appreciate hearing your perspectives. Thank you, Dana. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to help support teens, please hop on over to volomain.org slash donate. Your generous contribution helps to fund free retreats and workshops for young people across Maine. Thank you. Music from this episode was created by one of our many talented teens, Miles. It's a pleasure having you in our circle today. Until next time, take good care. Thank you.